but when it comes to moral issues, when it comes to killing babies, when it comes to enslaving people, when it comes to trafficking people, these things are not preference issues and there is no neutrality. Hello and welcome back to About Abortion. Uh, this week's podcast joined uh, once again by Christian Hacking. Christian, thanks so much. Last uh, week, if you didn't catch it, we were talking about uh, some survey research work that Christian's been uh, conducting, getting data on what people really think about abortion and the huge encouragement uh, those findings present um, that people, when shown the facts, many of them, in fact, a majority of them, want to see abortion law in our land restricted. There's an open door to work towards abolition here. Um, this week, uh, Christian, we're going to be talking about some of the headlines, what's going on in the news, how it connects to this issue. And um, we're just going to do a bit of quick fire on a couple of things. And I think you might need to zip off and then I'm going to uh, talk us through an article uh, that appeared in Daily Skeptic. But um, kick us off with uh, what's been going on that's caught your eye in the news recently. Well, thanks, David. Pleasure to be back. Um, yeah, so the, the main thing I want to uh, draw our attention to were two um, articles or situations. First, I want to talk about Extinction Rebellion. They are, they've been back out. They, they tend to make the most of the Easter period. They love that kind of week leading up to Easter, but they've had something of a revamp uh, in view of legislation. So I just want to comment briefly on that um, because, you know, as we think about a social reform movement, it's very interesting to keep an eye on other social mm. reform movements and think, you know, what are they doing well? What are they doing badly? What can we learn from them, etc. Um, I know we looked at the two ladies who tossed soup over Van Gogh the mm -hmm. other day. So, so, so that's uh, I think important to to keep that um, ticking over. And then also a very interesting article from the BBC on victims of rape, which we can touch upon very briefly. Uh, but I thought if it's okay for you, I'd love to start with a video. Please do. could bang the drum but who will listen today there were different messages outside each government department against coal development water pollution oil exploration we're here outside the department for net zero and energy security because although this department keep changing their name they're not changing what they actually do inside and what we want to ask them to do is the same thing that environmentalists have been asked them to do since the year I was born, uh, which is to stop the expansion of the oil and gas we know threatens human survival. The climate activists' message is familiar, but this is a new tactic. More speeches, less superglue. Discourse, not disruption. This is about encouraging all comers to the cause. I'm surprised uh, at, the, at the people who are coming down in a way, because when we started XR, you know, I expected a lot of my friends and family to show up and this time the invitations landed and loads of those people who I was surprised weren't coming 
are all showing up and we've got over 200 organisations backing it so it's, yeah. it's good. The main organisers Extinction Rebellion says this weekend we shouldn't expect the stop oil style tactics of shocking stunts like the one this week at the World Snooker Championships considered a turn off to many. For example, XR promised not to disrupt the London Marathon. Writers such as Zadie Smith spoke. All these scientists repeating inconvenient facts. And Brian Eno, record producer for U2 and Coldplay, also joined the cause. We think that there's a crisis, and our government apparently doesn't think there's a crisis. It's just not taking the matter seriously at all. I keep saying to everybody, we're all on the same side in this. It's just that some people haven't yet realised. <laughs> and the government, unfortunately, are at the head of those people who haven't yet realised. Even without arrests, there's still drama in the way they deliver their message. But many of their demands come with consequences and tough decisions for any government grappling with high energy prices, inflation and a cost of living crisis. But they say, in the face of a climate crisis, the silence is deafening. So there you have it, a Sky News article on Extinction Rebellion. Uh, this was out in their Easter break and yes, uh, one of the uh, people wearing red there was a man. Uh, <laughs> on the third, third from the left coming in. Um, but the question is, okay, so Extinction Rebellion have toned it down. They've promised to stop disrupting, supergluing, you know, what do you say, discourse over disruption. Mm. Uh, they have, um, they, they literally distancing themselves from Just Stop Oil, saying we're not like Just Stop Oil. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Um, and the question is, is this going to endear them to effective reform of green policy or not? Okay, now the jury is out on the matter, but I want to put to people now, so we have it on record, that I think it's not going to help them at all. I think what's happened here is, um, whilst one would argue, listen, we're getting loads of organisations involved, we're building consensus, we're getting people who wouldn't have otherwise come to London to stick themselves to stuff. Um, I think they are going to lose their teeth uh, by by doing this, and I think they're already losing their messaging. Look how he started, you know from just stop oil here to to no drilling to fisheries here it's it's the the whole premise of the extinction rebellion when it first started was listen if we don't act we're going to go extinct it was very clear what they were doing and they managed to garner huge amounts of public publicity and other things uh on this stuff but by actually by diversifying their messaging by by um by building a lowest common denominator with other groups, I think that actually uh, they will become less effective and less good at communicating um, their their message uh, to the public. And I think their radicals inevitably will probably end up going over to just stop oil uh, uh, because because they will be seen as as the ones taking the kind of direct action here. Remember, none of this is violent action; it's direct action. It is law breaking, but it's but I think it was, it was interesting uh, to observe uh, that and and to see what's going to happen next here. But but for me, the one of the most clear things is if you don't have a clear message, then the public are not going to even know what to respond to. Hmm. Um, hmm. And so I, th yeah, I thought that was, uh, yeah, compelling and 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 interesting. Absolutely, I could be wrong. You know, we could see, uh, we could see their influence increase. But I should think actually, uh, the latter will happen. That they will get more and more diluted, um, and and you, you, it wouldn't, it will become increasingly less clear as to what, um, what they're about. Um, what are your mm. thoughts, Dave? Yeah, interesting. Thanks for raising it. 
I think it's it, it's interesting to think about the difference between uh, just in terms of the causes, the the climate uh, thing, and what we're doing in in terms of pu- public support. Uh, so so the the whole climate crisis narrative is extremely popular in our culture and okay they can say well not enough's being done fine but i mean you can't you can hardly pick up um you know a, 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 a anything from a shop without without their sort of climate credentials being sort of virtue signaled on the back of it you know they're going to tell me how much the plastic was recycled how much they're doing for this how many trees they planted i mean even things that have got absolutely nothing to do with that um uh you know that, that have a generally a very low carbon footprint anyway mm. uh will will virtually signal about those things it's one of the key um sort of uh marketing priorities for so many companies uh whatever they're selling uh to prove their sort of climate credentials so it, it's a cause which at least um in terms of lip service enjoys a huge amount more public support currently than, than we do in our cause um and i think that's given them uh, a bit more grace than we would ever get for some of the really extreme stuff they've done, like throwing soup. I mean, if if we threw soup over anything, uh, let alone a, a masterpiece of of mm-hmm. art, um, I think we would we would be uh, punished far more severely just because of what we would be demonstrating about. So I do think that they they they've got more room to move around in. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they can push harder in terms of disruption and law breaking and so on than we can at this stage but i wonder whether they they actually went too hard too soon and now they're having to climb down and i think that presents a problematic kind of picture because had they done it the other way around had they kind of got the consent consensus let's talk about this let's bring in lots of organizations and then it really came to a head focused okay now we're really taking action because not enough's mm-hmm. being done but mm-hmm. to go the other way around, I'm not sure that presents a very compelling uh, message. It's, it looks more like you're losing your momentum. But, here, but here's the thing, right? You know, Extinction Rebellion was built on the premise that, you know, the UK had committed to net zero carbon emissions, okay? But that they were failing to comply to this promise and we were all going to die. Right, so that's why you had people weeping as they were putting them like super gluing, like super gluing themselves to stuff and making these impassioned speeches, which, which you know, and and it's why good you know fair law-abiding citizens were willing to disrupt other people trying to get to hospital because mm. it was so it was so life and death. Mm. Okay, now, you know, it's kind of okay, you know, it's life and death, but we'll just do speeches and poetry and mm. you know. We'll dress up in red and walk around, etc. Mm. Um, what I find so interesting about this is, is, but even in its strongest, right, the legislative framework for producing net zero, right, which, you know, controlling CO two, you know, a, a, a multi-trillion, trillion, trillion particle gas everywhere, right, you know, it was super complicated. Right. But they managed to garner the public attention onto this one thing, which is the the government are not looking after what they're doing. And then they had their science to back it up, which is highly debatable. You know, are are the ice caps melting? You know, 
um you know is 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 the climate totally changing because of this co2 mm. molecule or is it other factors contributing? like it's it, at the very least right without being a climate change skeptic or climate change denier god forbid um you know it, it's it's very much debated okay Okay, so so what you've got with Extinction Rebellion is you've got a um, you've got a, a national message trying to implement a complex legal amount of change with some highly debated science. Okay, okay, move to the abortion debate, right? Okay, and you've got a um, you've got a, a very focused message, which is the abolition of one law, hmm. like the abortion the abortion law. To, to 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 abolish one law right with the science uh behind us which you know from the moment of conception you have a distinct living and whole human being you can't deny that even Amphrady, the ex-head of bpas affirms that okay and regarding whether it's life and death okay you know you've got to take a number of steps with the climate crisis you know to, you know co2 levels mm -hmm. increasing droughts mm -hmm. uh you know um, maybe water levels, people rehoming, disease, etc. But but even if when people start dying, it, there's a number of steps before they start dying if CO2 is to blame, right? Whereas it, abortion is the intentional act that kills an innocent human being. Okay. Mm. So what I'm trying to say is, what whilst extinction rebellion currently enjoys all this media clout and virtue signaling and and etc. 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 Really, the 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 facts are far more flaky. Mm in support of their cause, whereas the facts actually in regard to whether we should stop killing our own children in the mm. womb are solid as rock. Mm. Right. Which means my what I want to put to you is, is if we can keep the message very clear, if we mm. can keep presenting the facts and the figures very clearly um, and and if we can be um, act like it's a life death issue, which is what the church has not done. Yeah then actually we, we can have a movement that is not only um, more effective, but far more focused mm. um, and enjoys the support of the general public, mm. right? Because, because we're not stopping people from going to hospitals. We're not stopping mm. people traveling around the M25. Our, our whole premise is, is not to persuade or disrupt the common man. It's actually to persuade the common man to change mm. the legal system of the elite, mm -hmm. right? So, so the reason why I put this to you is, you know, I there's no reason in my mind why the the pro-life movement, learning from people like Extinction Rebellion, learning from their mistakes, learning from what they did well and badly, um, could uh, be be a, a become the single most uh, not only prolific um, but effective social reform movement, right? Mm. And and when I say effective, it's kind of like person to impact ratio. Right, mm. you, you get all these, you get, you know, you get all these people dressing up in these red outfits, coming to London and doing their theatrics, and the common man driving your cab is still unsure, you mm. know, whether, you know, whether his diesel cab is destroying the world or not. Mm. Okay, but but how much more impactful if if actually we were postcarding, displaying, and getting the facts, doing much larger nationwide surveys, you know. And, and focusing the attention onto this one single point, this 1967 yeah. law, um, I, I think that kind of focus and that kind of, it, it could honestly be like a, you know, a magnifying glass for the nation mm. onto mm. one point uh, that, that 
that is highly winnable. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. I just think it's I just think it's cause for encouragement. You know, you know, our, the 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 sense of injustice that God puts in our heart. Like we want to use it, you know, and God bless our, you know, these people exercising their right to free speech. They're, they're using that sense of injustice, right? Mm. But it's just, it's just being mis, it's been badly wired, you mm. know, because it's not, it's not always, you know, sometimes it is, but it's not always aligning exactly with God's heart. And people are crying about stuff that they should be laughing about and they're laughing about stuff that they should be crying about, you know, so that, mm. but, but if, if that, if our heart injustice, if the, if that can be linked to uh to to this the shedding of innocent blood the sacrificing of unborn babies the the destroying of our next generation the the um betraying of women on motherhood etc if that can all be harnessed correctly with the word of god um as its kind of uh kind of framework and supportive casing it's like you know like we're talking we are talking we're talking something that is is far bigger and beyond anything that we've seen, you know, uh, in politics since the abolition movement. Mm, mm. Yeah, thank you. I think, you know, it shows what we're doing to be really, on the one hand, quite tame in terms of our methods. You know, we're not blocking the M25. We're not trying to stop people to get to hospital. Quite the opposite. We're trying to get life-saving help, the truthful information to people who are in physical danger or to, to, to those who are endangering those in the womb. Um, so on the one hand, what we're doing is very unradical, uh, but in another sense, um, it's been said somewhere, you know, in, in a culture that hates the truth um, or in a culture that loves lives, you know, the truth becomes a, a radical act. You know, just showing the truth is radical uh, because it confronts what our culture is doing. So. I, I would encourage people who think that what we're doing is a little bit extreme, going out in the streets, showing the pictures. This is, it, it's nothing compared to, uh, you know, gluing yourself to a to a building. And, and actually, there's a, it reminds me of, um, there's, a, there's a, a chap in our church. In fact, I think, Christian, you, you joined us, didn't you, for a, a podcast with John Betts. Um, he, he, he talks about the old... Um, uh, the the old preacher's notes for 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 a sermon you know mm-hmm. annotated along the the margin you know point here weak shout louder mm-hmm. you know and and it's that sort of you know because the science is so debatable because the thinking through the economics and the impact and you know are we going to do more harm than good all of that's incredibly complicated and so extinction rebellion and others and just up oil have generally resorted just to sort of force and mm. and fireworks and and you know it, it's impact in terms of disruption whereas what we've got in our hands the simple truth mm. can be proclaimed even silently just by showing the pictures we don't need to raise our voices um it is enough and our, our experience on the streets confirms this just showing the truth about abortion is enough it's it's confrontational enough to elicit a, a huge response and great opposition because uh, the reality protests itself. So I think, yeah, it should encourage us. Uh, we've got the science um, clearly on our side. And uh, if only we'll get out there and show the stuff, um, we can see people, uh, as your survey showed us last week, we can see their minds changed pretty quite rapidly. So is Extinction Rebelling? Is Extinction Rebellion really rebelling against extinction? I'd argue perhaps not. Is our work? Yes, it is. And that's why we need to persevere in it. But Dave, I've got a bounce. Um, You've got a bounce, yep. But f- great to have me on the call. 
thank you uh, very much christian for joining us um you need to head off um thank you christian but we're gonna carry on because there's one other bit of uh news that that i wanted to to pick up on for our listeners so thank you christian for joining us uh i'll see you soon until next time until next time front lines and headlines okay so uh, for those who are sticking on i I wanted to bring to your attention an article i saw in the daily skeptic uh recently uh daily skeptic uh is a a news outlet um sort of uh came up really during the, the pandemic and so on and focused very much on lockdowns and vaccines and so on but it it'll touch on various other issues and uh this article caught my eye because um the daily skeptic which is sort of has sort of personal connections with the free speech union and other kind of outfits which will certainly pride themselves on questioning the narrative and uh you know whatever your view is we want you to be able to 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 say that without fear of um you know punishment or being deplatformed cancelled etc but what's quite interesting is that when it comes to the issue of abortion even these um free speech union types the day skeptic and so on even they can sort of get nervous. Do we really believe in free speech to this degree? And what caught my eye first of all about this article was the way in which it was being shared online by those involved in free speech union, Daily Skeptic and so on. And they were almost apologetic that this was um, speaking into abortion. They felt they had to go over time in saying, you know, we're not taking a position on abortion. Whatever you think, it's just a free speech thing, which which they, they wouldn't generally have to do with other issues because that's just a given but uh, abortion is so confrontational, it's so um, uh, divisive uh, that, um, that, that, that you could kind of got the sense that they only just about were willing to engage it. So the, the article has the heading, whatever you think of abortion, the WHO, that's the World Health Organization, forcing it on member states should ring alarm bells. And I'll put a link to this article below so you can take a look. Um, and I'm not going to read the whole thing now, but the the, the basic uh, story here, what what's happened is the World Health Organization is now recommending that babies should be killed up until the moment they emerge from the birth canal, whenever a pregnant woman requests it. Through its updated abortion care guideline released in 2022, the WHO expects all member states to implement this policy. So this is a pretty big deal. This is the World Health Organization um, showing its clear support for abortion on demand right up until birth. And more than that, expecting, insisting that all member states should comply with that. Now, the um, the article uh, talks about this bit of news. It talks a bit about the morality of abortion. And it talks in particular about the way in which the WHO is seeking to enforce one particular view uh, on abortion uh, at extreme pro-abortion stance how they're willing to try and um, enforce that really on the entire world um, including countries where the belief system is really very different uh, and actually this represents quite a minority view globally abortion on demand up till birth that's a that's a fringe extreme view many many member states around the world are pro-life um, or broadly pro-life. Uh, there are many countries in the world where there, there is no legal provision for abortion at all. The World Health Organization is very much aware of this and campaigns really uh, to to make abortion legal everywhere. So the, the World Health Organization is seeking to enforce its own morality 
on the world and that's kind of the main focus of this article and um and and the the author uh a chap called dr david bell um really his main point is the way in which this is being done is is wrong it's not democratic it's not sort of community driven it's very much from the top it's a sort of totalitarian um neo-colonialism going on here uh, a fringe western view being uh, imposed on on the rest of the world and uh, and that's true that's a good point that's the kind of point you might expect from sort of free speech union types or or the daily skeptic who 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 don't want to take a position on abortion themselves and 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 so uh, as as the author says this article is not about whether the who's policy is right or wrong but the process used to reach its conclusions and what this tells us um, about the WHO as a legitimate global health advisory body. So that's a worthy point in and of itself. Um, the way in which this is being done is wrong. Uh, but we mustn't miss the wood for the trees here. Um, it's not just the way in which it's being done that is wrong. It's the thing itself that is wrong. The idea that it's okay and that it's healthcare and that it's even a human right to kill babies in the womb is wrong and we cannot lose sight of that fact and get caught up in the secondary issues of process and politics i mean it's a bit like saying well i personally think child trafficking is wrong and sex trafficking is wrong um but you know whatever you think about that you know look at the way the, the paperwork is just not up to scratch you know it's it's the process really that needs improving here uh, that would be inhumane a, a number of of levels and um and no doubt this author is trying to maintain this this appearance of uh neutrality um to make his his main point but uh, i'm saying his main point's the wrong point uh because process is not as important as um as whether or not it's violence being perpetuated now um I, I in particular want to uh, just look at the first few paragraphs of this because I think what they beyond just the news story itself which is which is significant and as our our friend uh, Callum Miller um, pro-life doctor uh, said on Twitter you know if anyone thought the World Health Organization was just a neutral um, trustworthy morally clean organization uh, you're you're really living in a dream world this is this is so wrong um, it's a it's a it's a significantly politicized a lot of private money from people with with certain interests uh, pumped into the who uh, to direct it in certain ways it's it's hugely politicized um and so for anyone who thinks that it's it's neutral that it's just generally trustworthy in particular for christians who think well we can just trust our healthcare professionals implicitly or the nhs or the world health organization they're just trying to look after us please wake up there, there are, of course there are many many very good doctors and um there's a lot that's good about the nhs there's a, there's a lot that's good about the world health organization but we cannot be naive to the fact that politically um these institutions do have an agenda and actually healthcare is not a morally neutral thing um it's based on values it's based on on world views and in particular something in western medicine that has, has is kind of just accepted because it just sort of gets um it just kind of soaks into the way we do things we don't even notice it it's like um it's like the air that we breathe we don't we just don't notice uh, what it is um the the idea that 
the alleviation of suffering is always the morally right thing to do or the um uh the prolonging of life expectancy by any means is always the right thing to do either of those views they're those are morally weighty views um they're not morally neutral um the, the sort of utilitarianism of, of we just want to reduce as much suffering as possible well in many cases the means by which that's promoted is is killing other people that is babies in the womb in the name of alleviating the suffering of others so please let's wake up to firstly the idea that these institutions are just neutral and secondly the idea that there is any such thing as neutral morally it doesn't work like that uh, there is no moral vacuum and healthcare is not a morally neutral issue there are value judgments to be made all along the way but the main thing i really want to focus on here um is 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 that issue of so-called neutrality and just how um untenable it is with an issue like abortion and yet people still try because that's what the first page or two of this article really focuses on is this is this chap dr david bell trying ever so hard to persuade us that he's not taking a side uh, on abortion he's just objecting to the sort of politics and process of the world health organization let me read you a couple of uh things that he says here he says i'm tied to neither side of the abortion debate as a medical practitioner i've taken part in surgical abortions helping women to stop a pregnancy that they decided they did not want to continue wow this is someone who who wants us to believe he takes neither side of the abortion debate and yet he has himself with his own hands ended the lives of human babies purely because according to what he said here um women decided they did not want to continue this is elective abortion he's not talking here about some extreme circumstance where uh, the life of the mother was at risk and he had to do something and try and save as many lives as possible this is someone who with his own hands has killed babies and he wants us to believe he takes neither side and what's his justification the next sentence i have also assisted some hundreds of women to deliver babies so he wants us to believe that because he's killed some babies and delivered others he's neutral or he's kind of you know he's happy to work on either side this is missing the point um to quite an extreme degree imagine if i said or if i was asked you know do, do i believe in 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 uh, fidelity in marriage do i do i believe in being faithful to my wife and i imagine i said well i you know i don't really want to be too dogmatic i i support both sides you know uh there are times when i'm faithful and and times when i'm not um i really don't see myself as one more than than the other it doesn't work does it if if you're unfaithful sometimes you're unfaithful and if you kill babies sometimes then you're okay with killing at least some babies okay you may not kill every single baby you you ever set your eyes on or every baby that comes into your clinic in still in the womb you're not maybe killing every single baby but that is that is nowhere near being able to claim uh, neutrality um even even standing by and allowing others to kill babies is not neutral as as bonhoeffer said um not to speak is to speak not to act is to act silence in the face of evil is itself evil so the, the idea of neutrality does not make sense when it's something morally charged like violence against innocent babies there is no neutral 
uh, he goes on to um, talk about the, the, the tragic uh, death of his own child at 20 weeks gestation. He's, he held this, this child in his own hands uh, who died sadly. And then in the next sentence, he says he could have been killed in many places if he had not happened to be born early. I think what he's referring to there is abortion laws that would allow babies like his own to be killed. Um, and yet he's, he seems sort of comfortable with that reality, claiming he's not taking sides. And then it just gets more and more um, sort of inconsistent and, and intellectually haywire he goes on to say philosophically i believe in the equality of all human beings no one has the right to interfere and control another's body not because someone grants us this right but because we are humans he he's articulating fairly well there this concept that the right to life human rights and so on are inalienable that is to say they're not granted to us by a government they they can be acknowledged and defended by governments uh, by the state but they are actually granted to us um, by the dignity endowed uh, in us and on us by our creator their inalienable uh, rights and, and and on the one hand he kind of um, articulates that quite well he says that this applies to medical procedures as it does to torture and yet the irony is lost on him that he is he himself has tortured babies to death in surgical abortion so he doesn't believe in the equality of all human beings. He agrees with the equality of all human beings, apart from the ones he wants to torture to death just because someone else says that's what they want to do. And then he, he, he makes this, this um, totally inadequate sort of pivot in his, in his argument to say, well, however, because there is good and bad in the world, nurture and harm, the interpretation of this fundamental truth is not simple. At times we may need to kill another's body. We do this in war, for example, and, and so he, he makes a reasonable case for the fact that sometimes you might need to kill in war. But then he says, but we also uphold the conscientious objectors who decline to kill because of their religious or moral beliefs. Now, there are two issues here why this is not equivalent or it doesn't relate to whether or not it's okay to kill an innocent human being in the womb. The first is, in war, um, we're getting into uh, situations in which killings may be justified, um, it's it, it may be a just war. It may be effectively self-defense. Um, this is uh, you know generally against soldiers, uh, so others who have have in a sense opted into that that situation. It's a world away from killing an innocent baby. An innocent baby is not an aggressor. There is no justification here. Um, this is not self-defense. It's not a just war. Um, but but also the, the, this idea of conscientious objection being enough of a, an olive branch to those who are um, pro-life is it's it's entirely inadequate. The, this idea that well we're going to kill babies if you don't want to get involved we'll respect that you don't have to do it. Now in in fact if you want to read on in the article even that is in jeopardy with the who's um, guidelines that conscientious objection is is sort of honoured but you know. If she really needs you to give you the, give the abortion because there's no one else around, you're obliged to do it. Or if it would cause delay, if you didn't, etc. So even that's in jeopardy. But this is one of the ways in which in our country we flatter ourselves with the idea that our abortion law is moderate and it's humane and it's balanced. Because yes, there's a kind of conscientious objection here. Um, but really, it's a it's it's a pretense that that is anything close to uh, humane uh, because. 
yes, we could say conscientious objection is better than no conscientious objection, but it still puts all the focus on the adults and none on the babies because conscientious objection is is fine if the only person in the room is the one who may or may not kill um, the baby, but of course they're not the only person in the room. There's a baby in the room and that baby's life needs protection even more than the conscience of someone else needs protecting. It's a bit like when people used to say, well, you know, uh, if you don't like slavery, don't own a slave, uh, which is a great argument unless you happen to be a slave. And so it is today. Don't like abortion, don't have one, you know, or don't perform one, which is a great argument unless, of course, you happen to be a baby in the womb in need of protection. Uh, and if person A won't kill you, person B will. We mustn't lose sight of the main point here. Babies are being killed. They need to be defended. And, and after this um, clumsy pivot, he concludes uh, with a huge leap in, in, in logic. Uh, so there is no simple right or wrong when it comes to the act of abortion. Uh, because if we follow his argument, uh, wars may be justified. It's also, it could be sometimes justified to kill babies in the womb. Uh, he's taking a side. Uh, he wants to shroud it in, in ambiguity, uh, but his own hands have performed abortions. It's ever so clear um, that this is uh, his his view. And I think this comes uh, perhaps into sharpest relief in his comment on uh, vigils outside abortion clinics. Uh, so he recounts a, 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 um, an anecdote a wise friend he says was once discussing the issue of abortion with people who with good intentions held vigils outside abortion clinics to, dis to dissuade women from entering he recounted the words of a woman who had had an abortion at such a clinic what she needed this is in quotation marks what she needed was someone to be with her and support her after she had left by the back door not someone accosting her on the way in now, the pronoun she there, of course, could refer to the pregnant mother in question. Uh, but what if it applied to the baby within her womb? What the baby needed was someone to be with her and support her after she had left by the back door in a clinical waste bin or incinerated. Not someone accosting her on the way in. Again, if, if there is no baby in the womb then maybe we could agree that, you know, it's totally up to the woman and whatever she does uh, is is up to her and maybe she does need more help after she's done whatever she's done rather than before. But if we um, don't forget the primary victim of abortion, if we acknowledge the baby in the womb, what that baby absolutely needs is someone before the execution um, giving truthful information prayerful support offer of whatever help they may need to keep that child absolutely that's what they need we don't wait till after someone has been executed to go and make some offer of help uh, and he finishes his section on this uh, like much that life throws at us dealing with abortion primarily requires truth understanding and compassion not dogma here's the great fallacy that um ironically he himself is falling into uh, having accused uh, the World Health Organization of imposing their agenda when they should be just sort of more neutral. Uh, he himself is opposing his pro-abortion agenda, and yet he's got the, um, shall we be generous, the, the lack of awareness required 
um, to realize that he himself is being dogmatic. There is no such thing as morally neutral. Uh, his dogma is you can't say abortion is wrong. Uh, his dogma is if a woman wants to have an abortion, she should get one. Uh, okay, he stops short of trying to impose that on the entire world through the World Health Organization, uh, but it's every bit as more, as dogmatic as uh, really what the World Health Organization is doing. It's just that he draws his lines slightly differently. And so I really want to um, close by considering this whole issue of neutrality. There's an idea that um, at their best, uh, institutions like the World Health Organization should be should be neutral. Um, I want to say that's impossible. There is no such thing as morally neutral. There was a comment on Twitter underneath um, this article that's, uh, where someone posted it, um, and the comment said something along the lines of, um, the World Health Organization is a secular organization. Uh, we don't need to listen to religious views from people like you. But of course, the view that it's okay to kill a human being in the womb is every bit as religious as the view that it's not okay to killing a human baby in the womb. The question is not, are you religious or secular? The question is, what is your religion? What is your moral worldview? Because all of us are worshippers and all of us um, conduct ourselves in morally significant ways. There is no neutral. When it comes to whether or not you kill a baby in the womb, you, there is no neutral. And, and so, yes, the, David Bell's chief point that the World Health Organization should, should not be totalitarian, should not be trying to impose its views uh, undemocratically on the rest of the world. Yes, that point stands. Um, but let's not miss the most important point, which there is no neutral when it comes to the unborn child. Uh, what the World Health Organization, uh, Organization should be doing is upholding the health interests of the unborn child. Indeed, there is um, uh, a long-standing rights of, of, of human rights of, of the child um, connected to the World Health Organization. This is um, a UN document. Again, I can put a link in to the description. But it explicitly says that the child, by merit of their uh, youth and their vulnerability and dependency and so on, uh, deserve especial care. Um, before and after birth. So so the World Health Organization is really contradicting international human rights uh, conventions. They, if, if you look at the whole article in the news story, you'll see that they're trying to suggest that to deny an abortion ever is a violation of multiple human rights. That's their argument. They're trying to say abortion is a human right and denying an abortion violates several human rights. But they themselves are ignoring a long-standing human rights convention that the child has the right to life and care and nurture and so on before and after birth. So what the World Health Organization should be doing is upholding that right and insisting on health care for babies in the womb as well as from others. Again, that wouldn't be a morally neutral thing. That would be a morally right thing. And that's what they should be doing. But we've got to wake up to this idea um, that this this myth um, that there is such a thing as morally neutral or that we should be content with things appearing to be morally neutral because they never are it's just that we've been hoodwinked into accepting or tolerating another morality where does this sort of land with us as the church although when it comes to abortion uh, we may or may not have a, a clear 
doctrinal position. We talked a bit about that um, last week. Uh, the Life Affirmation is a document that can help um, achieve doctrinal clarity for churches and individuals and organizations. Uh, please do check that out if you haven't. We may think we've got a, a very clear position on abortion, and we may well have that notionally. But in our behaviors, are we also um, guilty of falling into the myth of neutrality? Uh, there are many um, influential Christians in the UK who speak into the public um, sort of forum, and uh, and they embrace the sort of multicultural, pluralistic um, society in which we live, and they set the bar very low for what we should expect from government and from laws, and um, think that we should actually embrace um, a plethora of different moralities, and uh, as if as if our Christian worldview and as if our, as if our Christian morality are just preferences, really. You know, it's not actually wrong and detrimental and offensive to a holy God that, for example, certain sexual behaviors should take place or or uh, violence against unborn children or, or whatever it may be, as, as if th those things aren't eternally, morally, uh, unchangeably wrong, but rather that's just how we see it. That's just our culture. That's just, it's just like fashion. It's just, well, that's like how we like to dress or or whatever, how we do our hair. But, you, you know, if other people do it differently, well, that's fine. Now, there are some things that aren't preference issues. There are some things that that I don't think we do need to concern ourselves with in terms of trying to impose things on on other people. What your favorite color is, who cares? What your favorite ice cream is. These are not these are not morally weighty things. And there is freedom in God's goodness, in his common grace. There's freedom for different personalities and different cultures um, to some degree. But when it comes to moral issues, when it comes to killing babies, when it comes to enslaving people, when it comes to trafficking people, these things are not preference issues and there is no neutrality and we Christians need to wake up and stop acting as though our morality when it comes to abortion is 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 as if it were a preference issue it's just well that's how we see things that's how we do things oh I, I wouldn't have an abortion well it's not you know I don't like it the question is not whether you like it or not the question is not really whether or not you would have an abortion though that of course is important the question is what are we going to do in a nation where every single day more than 500 babies are being killed in the womb what are we going to actually do because our actions bear testimony to what we really believe and our actions are declaring in 95 percent of cases vast majority of the uk church our actions are declaring that we are accepting the moral settlement of the day which isn't neutral it is against the laws of god it's against the dignity of his image bearers it is ranged very much against the unborn child one in four babies in the uk is killed in the womb and by our actions we by and large to a man have stood back and said that's okay i'm not gonna i'm not gonna fight that I'm not even going to expose it and tell the truth about it. I'm not even going to talk about it. I'm going to keep it out of the pulpits. I'm going to keep it out of the youth work. I'm not going to bring it into the classroom. I'm not going to talk about it in public. It's not going to turn up on my social media. I'm, I'm not getting involved. You can have those babies. Satan, you can have them. Help yourself to them. I'm not going to get in your way. 
Silence in the face of evil is itself evil. Not to act is to act. Will we wake up and see that when any great injustice is taking place, there are only four roles we can play. Victim, don't get a choice about that. Perpetrator, bystander, defender. The perpetrators depend on the bystanders not to get in the way. The bystanders comfort themselves with the idea that they're not really the perpetrators, this has nothing to do with them, but in God's eyes, it is very much to do with them. We are our brother's keeper. And in, for example, Proverbs 31 verse 8, we read, be a voice for the voiceless. It's a command. It is to do with us. Proverbs 24, rescue those being led away to death. This is our business. We cannot accept the uh, facade of neutrality. We cannot accept the immoral status quo in which babies are being killed in their hundreds every day. We may uh, look at an article like this and, um, and be astounded by the cognitive dissonance and the, sort of the, the way in which, as so often happens when it comes to the issue of abortion, otherwise intelligent people seem to drop by 50 IQ points. People stop making sense when it comes to abortion, and there's a whole bunch of reasons for that we haven't got time to go into now. But we can we can balk at all of that. We can we can you know pick out inconsistencies. But what about us as the people of God? Are we consistent? Are we bringing a, a consistent Christian worldview and standing on it because we believe that sin is always sin and it's always harmful? It's never good for society. And do we believe that God's laws are actually good to the extent that we're willing to stand on them and promote them, not not in ungodly ways, but using the means that God has given us, which we're not availing ourselves of, even, not even close to doing that. Are we going to stand up and actually be that voice for the voiceless and that salt and the light that we're called to be? Because to some extent we have to look at an article like this and think the reason such nonsense can be published in uh, what would see itself as one of the more intellectually um, incisive uh, media outlets of the day is because the church isn't offering anything much better. And that's down on us. That's to us.